but the hair is awesome. Thank I you. have to give it to you. Thank I have you. to get a hair appointment too. <laughs> it has not been this long since forever, I guess. <laughs> you know, the, the, the nice thing about uh, Corona at this moment is that um, we have to wear like surgical caps. Oh, yeah. Usually we, we didn't do that. We just put right. on our glasses, right? And so now we have to put on the surgical cap. And it's a perfect excuse for me to finally let grow my rock and roll rock and roll hair, I guess. I like it. I don't know if you should cut it. No, my girlfriend hates it. Really? <laughs> but it's better for headbanging, headbanging on stage. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect excuse. All right. Um, so shall we just uh, start with, uh, with the whole podcast? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Let's do it. Okay, so usually what I, the whole intention of this podcast, uh, obviously, is just to start to get to know you a little bit better. And of course, I do, because we have talked uh, a lot of times before. Um, but I just put on the alarm clock on 30 minutes. Okay. And then um, at 30 minutes flat, I would just cut the conversation. Okay. <laughs> All right. so I have no I idea where this it. is going, which is which is always fun to do. Um, feel free to ask back questions if you want to do so. Perfect. Um, and what I would like to do is just to uh, to start with one question, and that's um, to ask you what you wanted to become as a profession when you, when you were just a little girl. That's a really good question because I remember not knowing that answer and I went to college and I was a biochemistry major going in. And I think within three weeks, I was like, this is totally wrong because <laughs> I couldn't understand biochemistry. Um, and so I sat there with the book of majors and I was just like, okay, let me just peruse through this book and see what I should be when I grow up. I had no idea, and I was already in college. So I had a, a big medical influence in my life. My mom's an anesthesiologist and my brother is a neuroradiologist. And as an Indian child, I knew I had to be like one of four things, which is a doctor, dentist, engineer, or lawyer. Like I didn't really have a choice. It was already picked for me. And there was a lot of pressure to go into medicine. Um, but I hated what my mom like had to live through. She was always on call and I just didn't like that. I, she missed my dance recitals all the time. So I didn't want to go into medicine and I was always a patient at the dental office. So I was like, all right, well, maybe this is it, right? So I finally picked my major, which I became an anthropology major which suited me better. Um, and I, I just, I liked it. And I figured, okay, it doesn't really matter what I am for a major, as long as I took my prerequisites for dental school. And that's what I did. And then I was also like, a, I was striving to be a dance minor, but I ended up just getting a concentration in dance because I missed dance history. And it was only offered like every other year and I didn't want to stay for like an extra semester mm -hmm. to just get that minor. So I had a concentration in dance and I was an anthropology major, which I loved. 
And then I took all my dental prerequisites and I was a good child and I did what my parents told me to. And I went to dental school. That's how I became a dentist. Yeah, because you you've <laughs> you've told me this the story before, and you already mentioned it. So you have been like, like the perfect dental patient. You have seen everything in the dental office uh, when you were like a child, right? Yeah. So I have had fillings. I've had I have a three unit bridge. I have veneers. I have implants. I've had a gingival graft. I've had braces. I've had an extraction. Unfortunately, didn't have my wisdom teeth. So I couldn't have those, but I was missing eight teeth congenitally and still had all those, you know, procedures done. So I've been there, done that. Like I understand what my patients are going through. And I thought that was a neat perspective, right? And um, decided to just go with it. Yeah. And because um, you've told us this in your story before, but um, like at one point, point you you had severe pain right nobody could explain what the pain was and that was the moment that drove you to endodontics right yeah so i had a toothache so it was the summer after high school and i had to go to the dentist pretty much once a week in order to restore the missing spots and then soon after i started to get like a vague pain And I went back to my dentist and he couldn't see what was wrong and just said, nope, nothing's wrong. Took an x-ray. I mean, that happens all the time. It happens in my practice every single day, right? Uh, But then the pain intensified and it would just come in waves and went back to the dentist. And every time he told me, there's nothing wrong with you. And I said, that's not true. (laughs) And continue to complain to my parents. And then I ended up going to see a neurologist because they thought I had trigeminal neuralgia. They put me in all sorts of meds, still had so much pain. Um, Eventually I ended up swelling up because the infection was there for months. It was about like a nine month saga. Mm -hmm. And um, then they sent me to the oral surgeon just to extract my tooth. They extracted my tooth, but then I still had the same toothache after the tooth came out because they picked the wrong tooth. And then they realized, okay, we can't take out any more teeth. Let's send her to this endodontist. I'm like, what is an endodontist? This, like, why wasn't I sent to this endodontist before? So after the extraction came the referral to the endodontist. And the first endodontist I met was very impatient and couldn't handle me. But then again, I was a basket case. In his defense, I was a basket case. I was swollen. I had a fever. I was in pain. I hadn't slept. So I was just a a disaster. Um, But he gave up on me. And then I come from a small town. So there was only two endodontists in my town. I went to the other endodontist after that. And he was the coolest guy. He had long hair. Um, And he (laughs) has, his practice was in um this house like he kind of like lived upstairs and his practice was downstairs and he was just the coolest guy and he taught me what was happening to my to my body he walked me through the whole thing and that layer of education that he gave me chair side made the biggest impact of me on me and i was like wow this this is what i want to be when i grow up like what was, just, was it was like, like the, the time that he took to explain the things or just the his way of communicating or, or as a person or 
I mean, it was everything when it, like, he was like a cool, like surfer dude. And that just made me feel comfortable. And he had this confidence about him. And then he had the explanation mm. and that, and, to, and he took the time to explain to me what was happening. And when I look at how I am myself to my patients now, that's what I do for my patients. I mean, I emulated him from that moment forward. And I was like, this is, I just appreciated how he treated me <laughs> yeah. so much. So. And then, and that was like your, from that point, it took off, right? Yeah. I was 17, 18, yeah. uh, 17, 18. Yeah. And then you started to thinking, okay, I have to be like the surfer girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anything Doing but it. that, right? Anything but that. <laughs> Doing endodontics. Um, uh, but what, what specifically drove you to, um, to education? Because I, I can understand as a profession, right, to, mm -hmm. that, that, you, that you wanted to, uh, to do endodontics and it, it comes from an inner heart because of your experience. Right. But that's, that's an amazing drive, of course. Uh, but it doesn't stop there because you, you're very much into education at this point. Is there like something that happened that drove you to that or? I think it was just working in my practice and seeing my story happen over and over and over to patients and, and just like existing in that world of referral dentistry and seeing what comes in, what gets sent to my practice, what gets written and mo actually what doesn't get written on the referral slip and that the patients arrive so confused to my practice and it's frustrating for the patient to get tossed back and forth with real, really no guidance. Um, I, I got frustrated for my patients and then I started to lecture locally and I started to see that impact and I'm like, well, why do I have to just do it locally? Let me, let me create this for everybody. Why don't I take what I'm doing locally and package it in a way that it can impact more people? But I, I would say like just seeing the same mistakes happen over and over and over again on my patients from referring dentists was probably my biggest drive. I realized that there was such a need for this education. And then I thought back to how I was educated in dental school and it was two weeks, two weeks of an endodontic didactic education. And that's not enough, especially when like diagnosing pain is a big, huge chunk of dentistry. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to land in the right place. I want them to be at the right specialist. I want them to get the right care. I want them to save their time, their money and their teeth. And I see so many people just saying, oh, this tooth is cracked, this tooth is cracked. And it's not cracked. It just, we just need to get the bacteria out. And so there's just so much education that's needed in dentistry. So I kind of made it my, my mission. You started to do this like locally, but do you experience also like a change with your referring dentist at this point? Um, yeah, but not for like, not for the reasons, not because of the education. I, I still feel like more attention needs to be given to that education. I feel like my, my relationships are what have made 
my practice more so than the education. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm trying to explain that better, but it's- No, I, I do understand. <laughs> Uh, because one the reason why I'm asking this is because one of the things that we find very hard is to to make people um, susceptible to new things and new education, right? Mm-hmm. Because if yeah. you we have we have um, way to less dentists in the Netherlands, so that means that if you are graduating, you can start working in every mm-hmm. place that you want. So right. if you if you think okay, I want to move to the south, you just buy a house in the south. You just start looking for practice and perhaps within two or three days you you you'll find something to work mm. in, in the neighborhood but that also means that if you're graduating then there's no real um there's no there's actually not a reason to to go into education and to try to be a better dentist other than like a financial gain because if you're mm-hmm. a specialist and obviously you can you can earn a little bit more, right? So every, somebody who, who does a lot of implants earns a little bit more than somebody who is like a general dentist because all our prices are fixed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're like 20 minutes in the chair or 60 minutes in the chair but because the, the price for a patient is always the same. So there's there's not not so much, um, there's not a real reason to, to be more susceptible for education, right? Um, the thing that that grabbed me the most on your lecture that you did um, within the clinic is just the way that you can communicate communicate as an endodontist to general dentist because mm-hmm. you you make it uh, understandable. Yeah, is this something that you also experience within your course groups or in your your environment or? You know, I, I think my educating started with my my team, right? My assistants. Like I have a, a pretty badass team. Like they can diagnose <laughs> like no other. And I've always really invested in them. And so I've had to learn to really break it down because they don't have the dental education. They're literally taking a six-week dental assisting course and walking into my practice. And I need to... I, I want them to understand what I'm doing to such a level that they, they just get it. They get the why behind everything that I do. It's not just step one, step two, step three. Okay, Dr. Chopra is going to do this next. They know Dr. Chopra is going to do this because of this. And that's why this works, right? And I think having had to do that because I had a lot of turnover <laughs> in my clinic for a long time and and. I just got really good at that. And I know that the same thing applies to, to general dentists too. And if I can just break it down for anybody, then I think that's really the key. And just to make systems for endo, because everything is systems. And if you can create those systems that people can apply and reapply and create consistency, then you're going to, you're just going to be a better clinician. Yeah. (laughs) You're touching a very important point and that's, defining like the why of endodontics right and mm-hmm. um there's something that that absolutely showed off in your in your lecture which which i think is really cool so if you're you're perfectly able to explain to people um the why in endodontics right but th- these are just dentists do you see 
possibilities to also uh, do this to patients to create like a patient platform or something like that and to educate them a little bit more yeah well that's that's the start right i'm i just started with my ted talk right because that is just to create an awareness about what an endodontist is right nobody knows they mm -hmm. think we're like endocrinologists or something else you know they don't really know what an endodontist is so step one for me was just to raise awareness about what my specialty is and also give them tips and and little tricks like what do you do when you evolve a tooth time is of the essence you want to get that tooth back in it's a very simple fact but nobody knows about it like school nurses don't know about it um like moms at playdates don't know about it, but everybody should know about it. So that was kind of like my first step into creating that awareness. And, you know, I started a blog for dentists and now I feel like, okay, there's definitely questions that I get from my patients over and over and over again, that I probably should start writing blogs for patients. Cause now Patients are finding me through my blog for dentists and they're traveling to come see me. I just had a patient who flew up from Tallahassee and I did two retreats on her last week. Uh -huh. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is uh, rewarding, but it also comes at a cost, right? Because um, when I look to how much things you are doing, Right. And um, uh, you lecture extensively, you give courses all the time, you have your own clinic, you have yep. a family at home. Yep. How do you <laughs> how do you find balance in this? If you ask my husband, he would say that I don't. <laughs> 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 But um, my my word of the year for 2022 is is going to be boundaries, because I really cannot work like I did my Q3, Q4 of 2021. I, nobody should work that way ever. So um, I'm creating boundaries, number one, but I also have amazing teams in place. My Valentine Endo practice team, they run the ship to the point where I walk in, I see my patients and I should be able to leave. Mm -hmm. So my team runs it and I have amazing systems in place there. And then Same thing for my home. I have an amazing team. My husband is really great. Um, I've been without a nanny since July, so that's kind of suffered. <laughs> But I think I found one finally. So again, having that team, I have a huge support system. My in-laws are here. My parents are here for three months. So I have, again, my team there. And then on my online teaching side, I have a team there as well. So um, I don't do as much as people think. And I try to just work within my zone of genius in each one. Like I'm not going to take the garbage out at home. That's my husband's zone of genius. That I don't do that. But I will be the one to organize the play dates and maybe get all the Christmas gifts for the teachers. Like that's my domain. And everyone kind of knows their role. And same thing, you know, On my online side, I'm the one who writes all my blogs. I create all my content, but all the other stuff behind the scenes, I shouldn't be doing it. And then at my practice, I should just be doing root canals and taking care of patients. Everything else can be handled by other people. And so 
I think delegating is an art that everyone must master. Yeah, delegating, but foremost, and this is, is really funny because uh, the thing that started you to do endodontics in the first place was like be amazed about a certain way of communication, right? Yep. And, yes. and the things that you are doing now and you're explaining to me are mainly based on doing amazing mm -hmm. communication. Yes. So yeah, I live, cool. I live through the app ClickUp and I task everything out. Mm -hmm. And then I assign it to a person and they get a due date. So I manage expectations really well. You so know, it's your job and you know when I want it done by. <laughs> <laughs> so you are very organized, right? Are, um, there, are there things in your life that are not organized? No, I'm really in. If you saw what the space around me looked like right now, you would <laughs> laugh. I'm, I'm the most unorganized, organized person that there is. So I don't know how to explain that, but I need to be more organized and I'm working on that to make my life easier so that it doesn't take me 30 minutes to look for something. It's, I know where it's at. So I'm getting better at that. But um, I, you know, when you grow too fast, mm -hmm. things kind of get out of hand. And so now I'm at the point where I don't want things to really grow. I want to reorganize so I can simplify things. And that's where I'm putting my attention because it's kind of chaotic but do you want because um because obviously you are very much growing right and in, in lecturing educating everything yeah um is, is, is this growth because you are enjoying the moment or is this growth because you have like certain goals in mind or things that you want to accomplish within a certain amount of time i think it's a little bit of everything. I, I think, you know, I had a vision in 2016 and I put it out there into the universe and the universe has been answering me a lot. <laughs> and part of it is hard work. Part of it is like, sometimes things do fall in my lap because literally the universe just answered me. Um, you know, like, like, for example, this, you and me, you just kind of, it just came, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a perfect example of, of a growth that I did not anticipate, but it just showed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good things happen to good persons. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, you know, if I wanted to, I could work really hard. I could continue to hustle, but I also now I want to look back and just see what I've accomplished and, and enjoy it and not, not set a new goal for a while. Cause it's easy for me to do that and just keep pushing the goalposts, mm -hmm. but I, I don't want to do that anymore. But did you have ever like, like a very specific goal that you had that you um, also really accomplished, right? That you, and at that moment you, you understood for yourself, okay, I'm at this point in time, I'm doing what I wanted to do. Yeah, like the TED Talk. Yeah. The TED Talk took me all year and I had, I had put it on my vision board in 2016. And I said, okay, I want to do that one day. And, you know, I slowly look, like I'll always look at my, my vision board and I'll just see, okay, where am I feeling that I want to go this year? And 2021 at the beginning was like, okay, I'm going to commit to doing this TED talk. 
So the first six months I, I wrote the Ted talk, I flushed it out and it really felt like me. I applied, I got rejected a lot. Um, and then finally got an audition and found out months later that I, I secured that stage and then it was go time. And it was like, holy crap, like it's time to perform. <laughs> and it's it and and it was like I had a month I had this 18 minute talk that I had to smush down into 12 13 minutes and then I had to learn how I had to memorize it and then I had to learn how to deliver it and then I had to overcome all my nerves and just show up and it took a lot of concentration and a lot of commitment to get through that without my like a nanny and any support at home I just had to buckle down yeah and um and that's that's the thing right people have no idea how much time and effort it takes yeah um behind the curtain to to yeah. do these kind of things and to make sure that you even have like a like a talk of 30 minutes right every minute is an hour of work that's this kind of a ground rule yeah um but in 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 that moment during your TED talk, were, were you like really, really present, enjoying it? Or was it just like, okay, I've done the TED talk, onto the next? No, no. I actually, from the moment I got that acceptance to the moment I delivered it, and even after, I, I really wanted to be present. Because I asked my husband, I'm like, are you okay if I, if I do this right now? Like, I just feel like the timing is right. And he, he said to me, and it kind of hurt my feelings. He's like, well, if you need to check it off your list. And I was like, Ooh, that was rough. And in that moment, I said to myself, I don't, I, that I don't want this to be something that I just check off my list. I want to feel it. I want to yeah, experience yeah. it. And so I was very much present through the whole thing. That so, is much so, I, so much so I got sick right after. <laughs> <laughs> so you were so high in your concentration <laughs> yeah. energy that afterwards you were just like flushing right yeah yeah it's cool and i think it's really great because um my younger brother stein he's he's an he's a crazy human being he wants to be an astronaut and he's actually getting there and he had like this one year uh, in which he he studied at harvard he uh, ran the marathon de sable then he went for um, some some research to to Köln, and he had like an. And then he went to India, and then he went to Kenya, I believe. Like, and everything was like three months afterwards, and he was like constantly driving and planning the, the next big thing, right? Mm. And then two years afterwards, uh, we were just having drinks and we we're just discussing. I said, "Did you really enjoy all that stuff, right?" Because and he says, "No, mainly now I have I have the photographs. I have no active." memories of me being present in that mm -hmm. certain certain point in time and really enjoy that moment because it was just like a goal right it's, and yeah. it's, i believe it's the biggest um yeah the biggest challenge to our generation is to it's, it's okay to set goals but you have to be present in enjoying it otherwise yeah. there's there's no good motivation for it for me it's I've learned through a few things in the past few years that it really is about the journey and not the actual yeah. goal itself. And I think maybe I learned that when, when I was creating eSchool, if I go back to think about 
the time I spent creating eSchool, I can't remember that because I was, I think I was in such a state of flow, just getting everything out. Cause I wrote every word that you hear on that, in those videos, in the modules, I think I was in such a state of flow. Like it's crazy. Cause I go back, I'm like, oh, I wish I said this. And then I'm, I'll look, I'll be like, no, I did say that. That's weird. Like, I, I just don't know how I even created eSchool because it just came out of me. And I don't remember the process, even though it took me an entire year of my life, which is crazy. Yeah, but did, <laughs> did you wanted to see this any other way? No, I mean, it came out exactly as I envisioned yeah. it, but it's crazy that I cannot remember doing it. I remember waking up because, you know, I have small kids and by 9 a.m. these guys are like up and ready to go and there's no, there's no alone time. So I would wake up at five in the morning and work till 9 a.m. And it was, it would be dark and silent in the house and I would just type, 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 type. And it just came out, right? It just came out and yeah. I can't, ex I have no explanation for it. You know, J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter in exactly the same way. It just came out. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Which, does, which well, in, in some kind of way, it's uh, it's kind of magical, right? And um, the way you have set up the modules, it's very, um, it's very organic, actually. It's mm -hmm. very logical. Yeah. And I, I really love this about, about how it's all set up. And, um, but still... All these things are like, you're still very busy, right? Are there things in life other than um, obviously your family, the education, the clinic, that just drives you away for a little bit? So as you know, for me, it's guitars, like and music. It's, it's my, my thing that I, I have to be almost like therapeutically, it's, it's in a therapeutic kind of way. Right, it's, it's, it drives me away a little bit from the daily, the daily things, and it keeps me sharp at the daily things. Do you have something like like a like a crazy hobby or something? For me, like I just love to travel. It, I don't know what it is, but I just love to go places, experience new people, new foods, new things. I, I need it. <laughs> I need it to like survive. That's my primary thing, but um, I secretly love to sing. Oh, really? So I really do, <laughs> but I never pursued it. But if there's something <coughs> that I, that'll help me escape, it's it's that. And what kind of music? Oh gosh, it could be anything. It's, I mean, there's a lot of you know fun pop. I don't think I would be like headbanging, but. <laughs> But that was my next uh, question. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you can catch me like singing something like Les Miserables on Broadway all the way to like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo on the radio, oh, wow. you know, so I'm not saying I'm great. I used to be a lot better, but because um, I really haven't pursued any training in it, but that was my, that's my favorite place to go if it's like on a daily and I'm not on a trip. <laughs> but that that would be where I escape. Have you like ever performed 
with singing? Never, never. Can this be a goal within the next five years? Maybe, maybe. And it's cute because my daughter, she's kind of got that same thing. And my my mom never noticed it in me, and so it, she she never like like pushed me to do some you know classes or anything. But my I see it in my daughter. So now she's taking singing lessons, and she's taking guitar, and she's and she knows how to play the piano. So she's starting there. So I'm excited for her. Maybe I can live vicariously through her, or maybe do a duet with my daughter one day. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, which is obviously uh, so that's the biggest dream of every parent i guess yeah right? musical mm-hmm. parents and, and some kind of so yeah, you can see it there i have like this very small drum kit a very small guitars already set up for them they right. they don't play it yet uh they make a little a, a lot of noise on it actually but it's always on a sunday morning <laughs> like the day when when i can like perform with my my own uh two kids i have two little boys who both love ACDC very much, which mm. I'm pretty much proud of. <laughs> um, that that will be that, that's that's funny, right? That, that's one of my main my my goals. Mm-hmm. And um, the the way we started this this talk and and setting setting goals, right? And to to let balance and boundaries be the the main word for 2022. It also drives you to focus on the things that are, I guess, important, right? And the things that you find important. And it's really cool to, to hear that you, the, the way you're making time for those things. Yeah. Right? And, and in that mindset, a lot of things that are very important gives us some, I guess, some goals that are more important than the other ones, right? I, I had one goal one time and I was just performing with a dental lecture for a bigger crowd and the second i i have done that um (laughs) i have exactly the same experience so like making this whole lecture it took me like forever Mm -hmm. i I knew nine months before that i had to do this lecture and i spent the full nine months on doing and creating this lecture Mm -hmm. i have spent over a few hundred hours in something that only lasts for 45 minutes (coughs) But what came out was very organic and we're just all about like I talked about guitars and music and dentistry in the way that I look to dentistry. So it was organic. It was all about me. Right. Um, but I remember very, very well that the second I walked out of the stage, I fully realized, OK, what now? Right. So what, what's, what's the next thing? I've done this now. So I crossed this off my, my list. What's the next thing? Um, and I try to make balance and boundaries, the code names of 2020. So this was like two years ago. Mm. And now we started Karma Dentistry. And um, what I really loved about uh, talking with you uh, for the last 30 minutes is that the things that we find very important are key things that I, yeah, you uh, described as well. Right, to, to find balance and set boundaries. And on the other hand, like perform good dentistry with the whole why as a main concept. So why are these things happening? Why? Because it's in the end, dentistry and the human body and general healthcare are very logical, right? And, and so perfect, perfectly explainable why things are happening in the mouth. But it takes a lot of 
dedication and education to make sure that you you get in the state of mind that you can explain all these things and in the end hopefully with long hair as a surfer dude we can be the guys that are that's right talking to our patients the same way you have experienced your uh endodontist yeah that's cool so sonia we we, we can do this for hours we probably, <laughs> we probably could <laughs> And we are going to do this uh, one time when uh, when we uh, finally see each other live. I'm not sure if this will be in America or in the Netherlands. Um, but for now, I want to thank you for your time to record this, uh, this podcast. Um, we have recorded your lecture that you gave uh, for the clinic and uh, the guys there. Yeah. Uh, that will be distributed uh, through the Karma channels. But um, mainly and foremost, your full e-school education is at the Karma platform um, that we will release very shortly after this podcast. And I can, yeah, the, it, it's like the perfect, for me, it's the perfect endo education, right? I know it's one of the things that I, uh, that I have said, okay, I want to learn a little bit more about. And just scrolling through the, the educational platform that as I have seen it now, it already brought me uh, so many information that I find very valuable. So that's oh, uh, it's thanks. a big compliment, absolutely. Um, so for now, uh, thank you so much, and um, yeah, we uh, we speak to each other very soon. Awesome, thank you. Thank Such you. a pleasure. <laughs>